0: you're listening to the house divided podcast
1: hello everyone and welcome back to your favorite fan-made michigan michigan state podcast the house divided is back baby jeremy how are you
0: oh back from do we even call it summer vacation we've been gone
1: well, we missed. We took an extended
0: summer vacation.
1: We we missed a year. Uh, well, we sure. had some hodgepodge episodes in in there, but we we took a season off. Let's be real. We had, we had a couple episodes, anyways. This is all yeah. semantics and not the way we should open the show. Uh, so folks, welcome back. Uh, we are here and ready to talk all things Michigan, Michigan State athletics. Uh, today with each of our favorite sport, uh, probably. It, hockey taking center stage we uh both have new coaches again and uh we got there in
0: extremely different ways <laughs> so i think we can both say thank god though uh,
1: yes so. yes we can <laughs> um, so i guess let's just start with the lead here uh go break down michigan first because it's a much bigger story, to be frank. <laughs> um, so, much more recent, that's for sure. Yes, much like, more recent. That is absolutely correct, which course, some would say is not different. a good thing. Uh, so, yeah, hiring a coach in August, not great. <laughs> but uh, I like what they did with the situation. But that's the end of the story. Let's let's start out at the beginning of the story. So uh, awesome. for those yeah, –
0: I'll say if you want, I can set this up for the people because I think we, we talked about this as we talked about our return and coming back. But, you know, I, my, I think I'm going to take the role of, like, this is not the time to rivalry bash or really hear an MSU fan's perspective, right? Like, I think for for the sad news or the bad parts of this story that you're going to get into, like, we're going to let you just kind of share and then, uh, yeah, like, you know, win. When needed to, you know, call me in for just like the hockey advisor perspective, but this is, uh, this is kind of a, uh, not a rivalry fodder type of subject, unfortunately, to the, to the Mel Pearson story.
1: Uh, no, no, I, I wish it were rivalry fodder and he did something like stupid and funny that we could be like, well, that guy's an idiot and, and both laugh about, uh, but unfortunately that's not the case. Uh, so Around, I want to say January or February of this year, it was announced that Wilmer Hale, the same law firm who did the investigation into the Robert Anderson uh, cases, they were prompted to do an investigation into Michigan's hockey program because there were several allegations uh, against Mel Pearson, among others, in the staff regarding mistreatment of female staffers. Um, breaking protocol to hide some COVID stuff, and just in general, bad team culture stuff. So that came out right in the middle of Michigan's uh, season that we were all supposed to be excited about. And, you know, to be honest, it kind of faded into the background. Me, among most Michigan fans, just enjoyed the stretch of hockey that we got with Michigan fighting for the Big Ten Championship and ultimately falling short uh, and then winning the tournament and making it to the Frozen Four, and that was all well and good. Then the season ends, and we all kind of turned our attention to this because we knew that the results would come out, and we would need a decision because Mel Pearson was not under contract after uh, April 30th of, of this year well we went past april 30th and the only word out of the program was that michigan has not offered mel pearson an extension but he is still the hockey coach pro bono i guess uh and so that was weird and we're all like okay well eventually this has to come out and then three months went by and then last week it was the results of this report released. Um it was found that there was mistreatment of female staffers, not from Mel directly, but by one of his subordinates and nothing was done about it. Uh, several female staffers, I should I should say, uh, clarify, um, because this was not a one person issue. Um it came out that Strauss Mann, uh Michigan's best goalie of the past ten years, maybe twenty, depending on how far you want to debate, um, Strauss Mann raised some problems he had with the team's culture to Mel and was told that if he didn't like it, he could leave. And then um, it is reported that Mel Pearson talked negatively to some NHL teams that were in talks to sign Strauss, um, which is just incredibly infuriating. Um, but but there were other issues um, – they did skirt some COVID things in some sketchy ways, which somehow ends up as the small one of the smaller things to come out of this report, and it's still not very good. Um, just just a lot of bad stuff to where the point where this report gets released and everybody pretty much unanimously says that Mel Pearson needs to go. Um, then it comes out that Michigan has had this reports report in their hands since May fourth. And hadn't done anything about it, which is just unacceptable. Um, And that Ward Manuel sat on this for months. And then it came out that it was nine against one. All eight University of Michigan regents, plus the interim university president, wanted Mel Pearson gone. And Ward Manuel was willing to make that stand. Uh, for Mal to try and keep him, and eventually, uh, shockingly, lost that battle (laughs) against his bosses. Um, Michigan fires Mal Pearson. Uh, Ward Manuel, in his statement, pretty much admits he was forced to do it. And they hire Brandon Naruto as their interim coach for the upcoming year. We can get to the upcoming coach stuff in the upcoming year in a moment. I just want to ask you if it felt like I missed anything, or uh, if if I got the timeline of events right there, because it was all off memory. I, I don't have any notes
0: in front. Yeah, of I I think the Wilmer Hill might have been at least in the hockey circles known a little bit before before January. Um, I wanna I wanna say I feel like Wilmer Hill or or the fact you know, actually it was a little bit after the gli thing i think you nailed all of it um i think the only thing that is important when we look at maybe how ward manual handled this um, and, and to a, to an extent mel pearson as well is that the player survey or climate survey was done last summer um and i think that that's important context in the way of thinking. Like, I mean, the at least the notification of a poor climate was was known prior to Wilmer Hale having to do um, their investigation. So, you know, because I think the poor climate survey, you know, was spun out of Steve Shields and uh, Straussman bringing their concerns um the people higher up the athletic department um yeah just ugly and just just ugly um you know i think i think it's interesting to hear uh again not from a robbery perspective from from someone who works in you know in the hockey realm with amateur hockey players like to to hear the michigan fan perspective of you know you're in the middle of the season so you're focusing on the results like i mean we're you Know in my conversations with people, was like we were talking in February and March, like they got to win it now because well, I Mel has to win it now because Mel's not going to be here, like this is open shut. Like, we the, the assumption was, I, I guess, we gave Ward a lot of credit <laughs> or just had a lot of respect for Michigan that it, it would just be easy to uh to cut bait, um, but Ward wanted his guy i guess i don't know like it's just yeah that's that was the part that was like just had me incredulous and again i tried to keep my msu hat out of it It and just just be incredulous of just like i i guess i didn't understand um going to bat for like this guy like i don't the the michigan program is bigger than mel pearson like this isn't even red like this isn't red berenson this isn't the guy who saved it you know like this is the guy who, like, recovered it a little bit from where Red left it, but I don't think this isn't. I, I it, it was like like Red Barrington or Tom Izzo was going through this, and like you were trying to, you know, to put an MSU perspective on it of like you're trying to save like the guy right and go to bat for the guy, but I just never, never understood, you know, yeah, what, I, what the draw was to, yeah, to so... fight this hard for it and from Ward. I, I don't want to impugn all of Michigan fan base or all of Michigan with that, but just from Ward, like what why this guy? Like what's what's going on here?
1: Yeah, so that's uh that that's a good place for me to jump into, I think, because it, I think a lot of Michigan fans didn't want to jump to the underachieving thing, um, while he was still the coach. Because you never want to. This is the guy you're rolling with. You're going forward. You don't. You never want to call your own guy an underachiever. Uh, well,
0: I think but, I think I respect Michigan fans for that too, because I think you also don't want to jump to, well, he's an underachiever. So it's cool to get rid of him. Like, you right. should want to get rid of him because of what's in the report. So I respect right. Michigan fans for doing that. You know. Right,
1: and and that's obviously what I want it done. Um, but I but I will say easier to come to terms with the fact that Mel has underachieved the last couple of years, I'd say Um, you could argue he overachieved when he took the Quinn Hughes freshman team to the frozen four. Uh, But, but I I think you clearly, uh, you can kind of write off the freshman year for Michigan's loaded class. I think it was COVID. It, It was a super young team. Uh, but last year, I, I think you could say it was a failure not to win the Big Ten regular season title, not to yeah. take any credit away from Minnesota, because that's a great team that Bob Motzko built. Um, But but to be frank, Michigan had more talent, and they, they should mm-hmm. have won. They should have been dominant in the first half of the year, like the way they were in the second half. Um, yeah. and, and so I think it's fair to say, like, to your point, like Ward, why are you going to bat for this guy? I, I think that's a great point. Like, you definitely can't say he's an overachiever. That's for sure. You can't say that he overachieved with all the with four out of the top five 2021 draft picks. He, he didn't overachieve. And so at that point, if you have this guy who looks like a good recruiter but an average coach. You play 30 minutes from the US NTDP, that's never going to go away. That is recruiting, from a recruiting standpoint. So I just want to say, like, what Mel has done with recruiting has been great, but I don't even think he's been overachieving by that much in that department either. I just don't see any plausible reason that Ward would go to bat for him, I guess, is is my main point that I'm making here think... talking about Mel pearson's performance because you're right in that this decision has nothing to do with mal pearson's performance and it shouldn't but it I feels like we, it had to
0: <laughs> i think i think we can only it, it, that or you can make up really ugly bad reasons right like you can
1: well that's where your brain has to go it yeah, immediately has like, to jump, like, what skeletons does Mal have, or well, does Ward have, that Mal knows about?
0: Yeah, there's that, or there's the angle of, like, well, we'll get rid of him maybe in August when, um, you know, Adam Fantilli and Rucker McGrordy have already signed their of their intent, and they're basically locked in here, I mean. <laughs> yeah but even in hockey
1: that's not even a great excuse because those guys can just skate to the ohl no it's not but i mean this guy's the guy's clearly a dumbass so i mean that would be a plausible reason for him
0: to do it right he could take maybe a football perspective on yes hockey recruiting and think hey if i lock these kids into august right about when we have them report to campus like they just they're locked in And, and i think I I mean again just from like the hockey perspective, I can say like those kids came from Brandon Narado. So they mm-hmm. fallen into they made the right decision to keep Brandon um, you know, and elevate him to I think he, he has the interim tag right now, right? Yes, like, he I he
1: has he has the interim tag for twenty two twenty-three. Okay. And, and before we and jump into yeah, yeah. Yeah, before good. we jump into Narado I just wanna talk some more shit about Word Manual because it what what he clearly did Was receive this report, read it, think that he morally could keep Mel Pearson on. That was his assessment after reading the report, but he was unsure of how the public would react. So he waited to make a decision until the report got leaked out and and put his program in more harm by doing so, which to me Makes me think that he thought that everybody was just gonna be hunky dory with all this, anyways. Like, 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 cause or else why would you do this? I, I, Both, I, yeah, I don't understand it. He clearly did the wrong thing here. Clearly, in the face of adversity, didn't give up. Uh, <laughs> when I, I could not imagine standing up to nine of my bosses, let alone over something like this. So I, I just don't I can't really fathom it. Um, obviously he got the Juwan Howard thing done and everybody clapped and, and he hired Mel Pearson. I believe that was his first big hire. Yeah, and that seemed like yes. a good call at the time. And obviously they jump mm-hmm. right in and have success. So it looks like a good hire, but now like, I'm like, I'm, I'm really starting to doubt this guy. Cause I'm like, clearly morally, he's not all there. We've had him glorifying Beckler within the last two months. We, we have him, nothing has been done about the name of the football building. That statue is still sitting pretty. And I just got to be honest, I, I don't see a reason, a, a place where he has particularly excelled. He botched the baseball hire, and I could give a fuck about baseball, but he did. He botched that entire process. It, it, in this decision alone, I think is bad enough to make you question whether he should be the athletic director at Michigan and and I just don't see it and 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 now he is let's not
0: forget because we haven't done a show in forever coming off letting Jim Harbaugh interview up until signing day like yeah yeah not getting that deal locked in or getting something done there right and I I mean you can only do so much Jim is an eccentric guy we understand like Jim kind of had had them over the barrel on that. I, I don't think that all falls at Ward's feet, but it's not been a great year for Ward, I feel like, if you talk about... No, it's not. Know, ...the I, to end. Um, and and, and it, you know what? I'll even jump in... Into... because on the field and on the ice and on the court, they've had great results. But, oh, yeah. They've been really but, good. But in, in, in his handling of things, man, I, it, it has not... And you add in the fan frustration with NIL stuff, like, it's it's been a rough year to... And,
1: and you know Thanks what I'll even throw that. in there?
0: I'm going to put part of Jim
1: Harbaugh being a fucking pro-forced birth uh, the speaker on him too because that's his subordinate. And you can't have the face of the university coming out and disagreeing with the values that the university has put through at, at a rally nonetheless. Like it, it, it just – it's a lot of little failings for Ward Manual combined with this very very large failing, and it might not feel that large to those of you who don't feel this way about hockey, college hockey, even. But but I mean, if this were a football team, this would be on ESPN. It would have been on ESPN daily for a while. It it would have, it would be. Michigan would be being ridiculed nationally, and they're the only reason they're not. And they are to an extent in the college hockey world, but the only reason they're not in the mainstream is just because of the uh, popularity of college hockey. Um, so Ward Manuel has done a really poor job, and now he has stumbled into making the correct decision for <laughs> who, who to name the coach uh, for going forward. And, and it's, it is an interim tag, but I will just come forward as saying right now, um, I will be very shocked if Brandon Naruto is not Michigan's next full-time uh, head coach for hockey. Uh, he has a great track record uh, coming. He played at Michigan. He has worked in a lot of places in hockey, but as recently, I believe, was in Stevie Y's uh, front office, or maybe not the front office itself, but uh, working with the Red Wings uh, analytically helped Michigan bag some of these recruits works with a lot of these uh, high, high-level NHL prospects at getting them better. Um, and while I will say that that takes a different skill set than being a head coach, he would not be the first of this kind to work out. And, um, and he's 37. He's 37 years old. I, I I really think that Michigan has a good roster coming in for next year. Um, I think you got a... Hobie Baker candidate holding down your blue line. You're bringing in a bunch of really talented freshmen again. And while usually the freshman thing doesn't work out, there is still a good amount of depth um, on this team that I think if you bring in, if Naruto has the chops to be a good head coach, um, Alex Strand of MGo blog has thrown out bringing in a a Martelli type assistant to come and be a guiding hand in terms of, Of becoming a a good manager of a team as a head coach and and I think that's a great idea and I think Naruto would be a slam dunk pick if they went with him but now it's just time to see how it goes on the ice uh, in the fall because that that is when his job interview starts so.
0: Yeah and to be honest as much as we just blame or hate the decision to go this long and it's still the wrong call it if you're a Michigan hockey fan, I think you might've just walked into a much easier process. Cause I don't think Brandon in a full field of applicants and running through a proper coaching search is the easy pick. Um, He would be a fine pick. Like I, I think it would be one that I would say is a good hire if they made this in April with a full search or did it now. Um, but he would have to beat out some really good names to, to get the job in April yes. and May. And right now he, he doesn't have to do that. It's by situation. He's clearly the best way to go on this. Um, and, and one thing I think that's important too, for the, for the timeline or updates of people too, because it, it is a good question. Like, yes, he was on Mel's staff, but his first year was last year. So he is free and clear of, uh, you know, anything to do with the COVID yeah. story, the Strauss man story, um, a lot and of the Rick parts of the story, like all of that is not lingering on Brandon Norado. Like he Correct. was not there for that. I, and I think you can't really blame a guy for coming back to his alumni and taking the job as an assistant last year. Like none of us knew all this was going on, you know, outside of that program. So, um, so I think that's important too to to highlight that no they they didn't just keep someone on staff from a troubled staff like he's he's free and clear so no I mean he the guy is awesome like electric man he the work he's done as a skills coach um the the kids he's worked with I mean he's you know for MSU fans like Drew DeRitter you know that's a guy that was in the first class of students that worked with Nerado. Um, you know, Rucker McGrody is one that he's only coming to U of M because of Brandon. Like he was a nerd in commit and flipped for one reason. And it's, it's Nerado and Fantilli and, and Fantilli also worked with him. So, um, you know, to, to maybe for the non-college hockey, like this is kind of like how MSU fans, we celebrated the Brandon Jordan hire, right? Like he has all these NFL players he worked with and that's going to be a huge boon just to be a D line coach. Like, That's essentially what Brandon was in in the hockey world. Like He has worked with every top American kid for years Um, that's especially Midwest-based. So, um, no, I think it's it's a solid hire. I think he's going to have some learning pains. I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, with all this stuff going on, the team still played well last year, so I think they've shown the ability to compartmentalize. But, I mean, it's not an easy situation to get everyone locked in so i think it's going to be interesting to see him do the the psychology of being a head coach but um they're going to be talented man they're going to be that power play is still going to be just as good uh if not better with him having full control so
1: yeah yeah they're gonna be uh they're gonna be loaded next year uh for those we won't do a full deep dive here but They're bringing in Adam Fantilli, who is projected to be a top three to five pick in the 2023 draft. They're bringing in Carter Mazur, who was the number eight question mark. Uh, He was a top fifteen at least.
0: Frank Frank Nazar.
1: Is that what, not what I said? Oh, no.
0: You said Carter yeah. You're, you're, you oh, my God. My
1: Red Wings brain. Oh, no. I uh, said Carter Mazer. Well, Frank Nazar yeah. is going. Jesus. Oh, I'm down bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> Frank Nazar is going. To, he's a very high-end center who was recently drafted to the uh, Blackhawks. And uh, they also got Rutger McGrorty coming in, who is immediately their best name on the team. But he is uh the number 18, I want to say, overall pick to the Winnipeg Jets this year, or maybe higher up, I'm not sure. But he's up there. Uh, they got a lot of talented players coming in, and they honestly keep a lot of the older ones. So, you know, obviously you lose your as your power, your Johnson. I hope I don't lose my Johnson. Anyways, sorry, I had to had to get that one in. Uh, if only we had an editor, we could have it. Cut out, but it's that's, too late.
0: You, so you got that in as quickly as a Patino. So that
1: was a good. <laughs> oh man! Of course, we had to get the Patino in even during college hockey talk. That's good. uh But yeah, I, I think the year is looking. I think it's still good. I think you're still if you're Michigan, you're looking to hope to have a shot to win the Big Ten at the end of the year and hope to be in the NCAA tournament and hope to win the whole fucking thing if you get in. So I, I think that's the plan if you're Michigan and. Um, it is unbelievable that they're there after the incredibly poor job that Ward Manuel has done, so just just know Michigan fans if they win any trophies next year it will have been in spite of Ward Manuel and not because of him. But as referenced at the beginning of the episode, Jeremy, Michigan is not the only team with a new men's hockey coach, so <laughs> why don't why don't you get uh going?
0: I'll just say. You throw it to me as I think I was literally. You might even had some audio come on there me watching the first pitch from the tight tonight's Tigers game, which was Adam Nightingale. So, wow, um, look at that! Yeah, he's he's had a big time tonight. But yeah, it's uh, you know, yeah, it was an interesting end of the season for MSU hockey. Like, I mean, to catch people up on that one too. Like, we went from um, being told that Dan Cole was going to be coming back for at least one more year. Uh, firing an assistant, and then Dan Cole gets fired randomly after like a month ago being told he was coming back. Um, I think we'll, you know, I don't think it will ever reach the level of uh, of what we saw at Michigan. But I think that similar to the Michigan situation, I I know that this was a little bit player led. Um, uh, some some players who were leaving the program had already left the program and where returners did have meetings with Alan Holler just to give them like a picture of where the program was at. Um, and I know some alums weighed in too. And I think the difference is Alan Holler decided to make the decision um, to go with someone different, obviously easier for him. He didn't hire Danton the way that Ward did, uh, did hire Mel, but goes a different path and gets rid of uh, Dan Cole. And, um, you know, I think, hired the guy that, you know, I, I did a couple shows and obviously everyone asked me on Twitter, like what I thought. I mean, Adam Nightingale for me was the guy that I thought was the slam dunk and going to be the choice, but you know, they did run a proper search with uh, some names being thrown in and, um, you know, took their time making the a decision. but uh, went back to the NTDP and got Adam Nightingale, which of course everyone's lazy comparison is that that's where they went for danton but these are entirely different people um with different resumes as well so i mean i guess I'll throw it to you like what uh what should i cover on the uh on the hire here like what from from an outsider perspective what are you thinking well
1: i was unhappy they made the hire because I think it's a good one. Um, however, what I will say is that a lot of that is based on your feelings on the hire. To tell you the <laughs> truth, because you work a lot closer to the uh, the product, um, I, I I really now, now the one thing I do got to ask you is how did you feel about the Danton Cole hire? Because you're high on this one and that didn't it, that didn't work out. So I'm wondering how you yeah. felt at the same time.
0: Yeah, no, I actually appreciate it because a chance to like, I mean, I'll straight up admit I, I wanted Danton Cole at the time. Um you know, and, and I think the difference from where I'm at now and and where I felt with the Danton Hire was when the Dan Hire was made, um I wasn't really closely working with, with young hockey players at that point. Uh, I was really just a fan. Um, so I kind of did the leap of like, you know, hey, he's coming from the N T D P he's he's a really good strategic coach I think where Dan Cole and I still think Dan Cole could have been successful um where I think he made a mistake was uh he himself was not a recruiter um and he didn't make dynamic hires on his staff to to cover up that deficiency um you know so he was never going to be a guy that you know, he was a pretty old school hockey mind and pretty old school hockey tactician. I don't think, you know, as the age gap gets wider and wider and wider, it's, it was going to be harder for him to, to nail getting good recruits in. And he didn't make a Brandon Dorado hire, right? Like the guy, he, the horse he backed was Joe Exter, and that was just not a good pick. Um, and I think that was the biggest undoing from the beginning. And then as results got bad, it just, became a toxic culture, essentially, where there was no digging out of it. I mean, I was not excited for him to be back. I thought it was justifiable to give him another year um, just because I thought there was some momentum heading into COVID that I thought it was okay to say, hey, use the transfer portal, see what you can do in a year, see what you can put together. Um, But at the end of the day, like I had no expectation that he was going to survive past next season so um and which in that case who knows maybe adam nightingale uh gets an offer this summer and he's not available next summer so um so in that case i'm happy that we made the decision we made um yeah I, i mean i i liked the dan cole hire so it's it's i feel happy about adam but i think the difference now, as I feel like I have a little bit more of an actual like knowledge too of what's going around, is uh-huh. a he's nailed his assistant hires, um, and it's two guys who weren't working with him last season, uh, which was different than the approach that Dan had. You know, going out and going to the East Coast and grabbing Jared DeMichael, who I think won't be here very long. I think he'll be here three to five years max, because um, he's on, you know, the hot train to being a head coach himself um and then going out and getting Mike Towns a guy who didn't play here and is you know from western Canada coaching on the east coast like I I think that was a good start and then you get to August 1st and he gets two NTDP commits from Michigan right away um you know kids who if he stayed at the NTDP he would be coaching next season so they basically make the decision I can't play for him at the NTDP so two years down the road I'll go play for him in college um and I think, you know, that's two NTDP recruits committed and and Danton got three total, I think, and two of them were backup goalies. So, you know, and the other is Patrick Kodarenko who lost all of his offers when he blew a knee out. Um, so I think right now, I mean, before a game has been played, it's already going better than it really ever went on the trail. Um, so now we just got to see him put that NHL background to work you know, the NHL coaching background to work. Well,
1: that's uh, really, really shitty to hear. So,
0: (laughs) no, no. No, I mean, like, I think the thing they say is, like, I mean, you know, Lucas Van Vliet and Austin Baker, who made their commitments, you know, on August 1st, those are two guys that are probably going to U of M or Notre Dame or someone else if Dan Cole's back. Like, there's no shot they're committing to year six Dan Cole um, and without playing a game Adam Nightingale got two of the top like four players in Michigan to commit so I mean that's a good start <laughs> you know yeah
1: no no I mean legitimately that's that's great progress right because I mean like you like you mentioned they just weren't doing anything like that over the last couple of years uh, they weren't getting those type of recruits uh, and again like I said like say michigan's you know right down the road from the usntdp i mean so is michigan state they're a little farther away but you know adding the coach from there i think you know at least for a couple cycles right should help obviously that'll eventually wear off but at that point you hope if he's still around he's got enough of his own thing to bring people in and uh i really think it could be a good hire and while well, i do joke um and I, I do enjoy Michigan mopping the floor with Michigan State in hockey most of the time. Um, the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry is obviously one of the best in college hockey history uh, when both teams are at the level they can achieve. And, and Michigan State has proven that it can achieve greatness in college hockey, with the right people in the right positions. So while uh, on one hand, I do hope this doesn't work out because I like seeing Michigan state teams be bad uh, as, as I'm sure you feel similarly. Um, I think there could be a cool, a cool rivalry here, especially, you know, I had Nightingale's He's a younger, <laughs> younger guy, Brandon Naruto younger guy if they both end up being the head coaches here for a while and both succeed and thrive in their roles, maybe we could see, you know it'd be a lot of fun to see Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota just duking it out every year, all with a bunch of future NHL talent. So
0: Yeah, I think it's uh you have the chance. I mean you have the chance to catch another Ron Mason Red Baronson type of run, right? Like uh, two guys at the top of your game and uh, being around for a while like I mean they're it both at their, yes they're they're both at their alumni spots so I mean it would be it's it's exciting I, I think it's gonna be interesting to see uh, how this all evolves but it's uh, it's much more exciting than going in and at least especially for me compared to you uh, you know five nothing after the first period of a Big Ten point right. out first round game like I don't think we have much of that to look forward to <laughs> thank God yeah. like yeah. That, and that just wasn't interesting, like it. No, it I mean it wasn't interesting at all.
1: No, and and I mean by year's end, MSU pretty much had a had a broken down, beaten team and fan base, and I don't, I don't think under Danton Cole, I, I don't know if they won a single uh, Big no. Ten playoff game.
0: We, uh, we when... as a program, have not won
1: a single game because the Nastas okay. Game. Okay. So, so we are still looking. That's to, not great. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, there's a the hope, you know, maybe not this year, but, you know, down the line, you guys get some home playoff series and, you know, eventually end up in the NCAA tournament. Who knows? Uh, one thing I will mention though is with the age of Nightingale and Naruto and with the way that the game of hockey at the professional level is evolving if either of them had a couple years of sustained success, I would not be shocked at all to see either yeah. of them make that jump uh, to they be were, an assistant coach. So they I
0: be catching heat. Yes
1: yeah yeah. so so while it would be cool to think about uh, a Baronson Mason type thing, I also thought that Urban Meyer and Brady Hoke was going to be the next sure ten-year so. war. So <laughs> yeah. you I know these things in my head too. I knew these Rudy things are funny. Ten-year so Yeah, yeah. These things end up going in a funny way. Um. So that's hockey. Um. It's more hockey, I think, than we planned on doing. But there's a lot to talk about, man. We we had to get into it, and now we'll finish up the show with just a vibes portion. Let's just talk about whatever we feel like, and we've got fall camp coming up. For both or I guess both teams are into fall camp now. Yeah. Um yeah. so we've got that going for us. It's almost time for message board posts and Kool-Aid drinking <laughs> galore. Uh, Michigan State is putting together a hell of a recruiting class for basketball, which again unsettles me deeply. Uh I, I really wish they wouldn't do that. But we forge on. I, I'm going to talk about football for a little bit, I guess, cause uh, I'm, I'm still high off of hard knocks and I'm not even an NFL guy, you know? <laughs> I, I, so it, I, I am ready to watch football games uh, more so than ever before. And we're hearing lots of cool things out of Michigan camp um, about Ronnie bell being like better than we've ever seen him. And, you know, uh, apparently defensive line by committee. I think Harbaugh actually said that the defensive line is better this year. Um, without Hutchinson and David Ojabo, which is absolute bullshit. Uh there's no way that's fucking true. But that can't speak. Yes, yes. Um that is can't speak to a T. <laughs> um yeah, so I I things are exciting. I'm I'm really jazzed up. Now the one thing out of Michigan sales that kind of gets taken out is like beating really shitty teams is going to get old pretty quick. I think I'm going to be ready for them to play a real team uh, sooner rather than later. And then that first team, well, you know what, no disrespect to Maryland. Their offense looks pretty fire this year. So they they do play Maryland at home week four, but, but really I'm, I'm writing down the Iowa game at Kinnick (laughs) week five is a loss already.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Can we, can we talk about like, like, can they just announce the kickoff time? Like, we know it's going to be 7 p.m., right? Just it's going to have it, to be. put it at night.
1: Just it's whatever. It's going to be night. October Their punter Christ. will score a touchdown, and we'll lose 13 to 12 again. I was again. say, it's
0: a and, sludge party. Dude, yeah.
1: well, see, the thing about this Michigan team that it, it really should not be because this offense it looks – and we'll dive deeper into this. Maybe next week we should do some real previewing. Oh, yeah
0: we we'll actually have uh, the actual previews. This is just vibes, though.
1: Yeah. Vibes. No, we're just vibing right now. And I got to tell you, this offense, the vibes are good, man. They didn't lose a single receiving threat at all. They actually just gained back Ronnie Bell. They, you have Blake Corum, and people are talking about Donovan Edwards. Like, he's going to be a dark horse Heisman candidate. And and I believe it, by the way, because the freshman, the sophomore jump is usually pretty good. And uh, at the end of his freshman year, he look he looked decent. He looked decent. Really? Yeah.
0: So catching out of the backfield for one, just,
1: mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. You have, you got quarter man Edwards to do it with. It's, they should be a tremendous team. You obviously, or a tremendous offense. I'll say I'm a little bit worried about the defense, man. Cause you know, you lose Dax Hill. That's a guy who nobody really talked about during the games much, except for the couple big plays. But that guy was everywhere all the time. And so losing him makes me pretty nervous. Um, you obviously lose Hutchinson and Ojabo. You lose James Ross up the middle at linebacker, who who was a big, solid presence <laughs> as a leader. Um, I I have faith that they should be able to reload okay, but I am not expecting a defense that is gonna keep up with last so year.
0: So I think the Mike vibes, McDonald like, too. Oh my God! I was gonna say so that actually that's a good segue. I was gonna say I think the vibes section, like, we should each try and throw some cold water on each other's vibes, right? Absolutely. So, my cold water for you is, like, I mean, Harbaugh has the NFL flirtation, so, as good as it, it's, to me, it's rare to think that your your team after last year, like, they didn't lose assistance necessarily to promotions. My, my McDonald's, I mean, he's back to the Ravens, that's a promotion, but got to replace the OC and DC. How do we? And how are you yeah, feeling there
1: so josh gaddis is a fraud so i've been on this for a while i don't you think have. josh to
0: be fair you I, you were on that before he left
1: i i don't think josh gaddis did much at all to help anything um we'll find out i guess uh yeah. because you know they promote the the quarterback's coach um who ben McDaniels. is that correct uh, i was blanking <laughs> we'll see uh Jared, we we have our leading researcher on it uh so they promote you are correct they promote Ben McDaniel. Nope. Nope. Fuck. Whoa. Hold on a
0: second. Ben McDonald. Yeah, no. McDaniel's was previously your QB coach. He is now with the Texans with uh, mm. Lovey Smith. You
1: name. guys see, I'm really in the loop. <laughs> is, is it Matt Weiss? So, or am I just making up names now? Are we just? Is that where we're at? Who's I our? Thought it was,
0: okay, this is what I thought it was. It was Sharon Moore. I knew well. Sharon Moore. Yes, and, I was going to uh, get Matt, to him. That Matt was. Weiss. I should have led
1: with the one I knew. I suppose. But you know, we're rusty, we're coming back. So, you've got Sharon Moore who did unbelievable work with the offensive line last year and really just the run mm-hmm. game in general. So, you're keeping him and giving him a more prominent role. I love that. Uh, obviously, Matt Weiss has something. Cade McNamara, you just look at him, you're like, what the fuck is there? And he won a Big Ten championship and beat Ohio State, man. I, I, do we know so, uh, who's I, I the really
0: primary like... play caller or is that still Jim? Is Jim like? I guess that's kind of that magical, is the intriguing. thing.
1: You can you can throw the cold water on me there because the last time we did that shit was like back in 2017 with Pep Hamilton and yeah. uh, whoever was it? Now, that might have been pre Ed Warner, um, but it, that was a disaster. So I, yeah. I hope it's not yeah. that again. But but this offense, I mean, there's almost so much talent. Where you are like is this what Ohio State feels like? Like every year, like like you almost look at it and you're like on the offensive side of things how do you fuck that up? Like, really, Mm -hmm. uh, you should be scoring 40 a game. And so that's what I'm like. That's the only thing that makes me feel better about Iowa is that I don't think they should get into a position where I mean, Iowa's offense is really bad. So the defense should be able to help out. It's just about the mentality of the offense and if they can get rattled, because if they put up 28 points. I think I think you should be able to win that game. But here's the thing: is Kinnick is haunted. So <laughs> I uh, I have no faith in them to go in there and win. So so let's use this as a transition because uh, to me Michigan season. Just looking ahead, looking at the big picture, we're we're doing vibes here. To me, it comes down to three football games, whether or not they make the college football playoff. I think that you know you get Penn State and Nebraska at home. Those aren't those don't count to me. Even I think those should be automatic wins. The three to me are at Iowa, Michigan State at home, and at Ohio State. And to me, if you go two and one of two and one in those games, I think you're probably in the playoff again. I think eleven and one with a loss to like an undefeated ohio state on the road might get you in if it's a close loss if you go into that game 11 and 0 i think that 11 and 1 with a win over ohio state no matter who your loss is get you in so so really to me you could say four games and you could give some respect to penn state include them in that i'm just choosing not to because i think they're going to be pretty bad this year and generally michigan at home against them has been very good under harbaugh Uh, so yeah that that's really where i'm at going into the year i'm i'm full on the kool-aid train the last time i was full on the kool-aid train i think was like 2017 when they went like eight and five so (laughs) we'll see but i i do feel smarter now than then that was a super young team and i don't think we should have expected them to be good
0: so feel free to make just a quick answer uh any any controversy throughout the season, JJ Cade? Who? JJ versus Cade controversy. I'm,
1: I'm sorry, you're cutting out. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I just don't <laughs> want to talk about it. Oh uh, yeah. man. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's that, crazy to me. That right? could derail him, but you know, I I'm just trying to go in with the mentality that they're just going to watch fall camp and pick the better player. And uh, I don't care who the better player is. I, I don't, I truly, as a fan, don't feel like I should get to take a side when I don't watch them in practice all the time. It's one mm-hmm. thing if we get a couple weeks in and they're split in time and JJ's like outperforming him visibly and then they choose to play Cade in the big moments. Like if that happens, we'll cross that road. But I don't get to see camp. I, mm-hmm. I I really feel like I do while while I have many problems with Jim Harpo as a person and, and as a leader, um I think he's a damn good football coach. So right. I, I, I do trust him to make the right decision here. I think it's gonna be really, really hard to rip this job out of Cade McNamara's hands. And Cade McNamara seems like one of the most competitive kids in the world. I, I like just the way that Nick Baumgartner writes about him. The way that people who are close to the program talk about him, he just seems like he's got that Jim Harbaugh in him, that that Dan Campbell in him. We were talking pre-show about Dan Campbell, that just just that just like dog, and, and that might win it for him. But you know, iron sharpens iron. JJ and Cade competing in fall camp is not going to make either of them worse. It's only going to make them better, uh, and, and so. I don't love talking about it because I just feel like I don't know what to say until the games start happening. Um sorry, you asked for a short answer. I, I didn't give you one at all.
0: I was just hoping like <laughs> right, you know, you're the Michigan part of this show, so I thought you'd say your cousin, your brother, your ninth removed nephew, Cade McLamara would clearly win. That's the that's <laughs> what I go to for you.
1: Well, Sorry about that. Uh too too measured of a take. I, I will say, <laughs> um I, I will say I think it is a much better sign for this team if mm-hmm. JJ wins a job. I
0: higher ceiling, you think?
1: Yes, because I think if JJ want, wins a job, that means the staff is trusting him to be Maybe not as consistent and mistake free as Cade McNamara, but they're not gonna give all that up just for a strong arm. They're if not. he wins,
0: if he if wins, he wins that
1: job. means he ripped it from Cade's hands. Yeah, that's right. That means he won and, it by Cade, and Cade is winning is a win a Big Ten championship winning quarterback. So mm-hmm. so so if if JJ wins the job, that means that we have a really really good quarterback for the next two seasons so so obviously i would prefer that but that just feels too disrespectful to cade to make that like my primary take if you will just because i feel like he's Mm -hmm. earned more than that you know he he did a really good job last year he made a few mistakes along the way but what fucking quarterback in michigan hasn't in the last 20 years so uh i'm gonna ride with whoever they go with. But I, it, to tell you the truth, if I'm making a prediction, I think we don't know who the starting quarterback is until that week four game at Maryland. I, I think they're both going to split time. I think they're going to use the non-conference schedule as a preseason because why wouldn't you it, 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 here? This is a good intro. Make fun of our non-conference schedule. For those unaware, we uh, Michigan plays Colorado state, Hawaii, and UConn all at home for their non-conference schedule. So, please, toss some jokes our way.
0: Isn't it? Oh, God, that means Jim Mora, baby. We get an NFL matchup. Jim Mora versus Jim Haga,
1: baby.
0: That is absurd.
1: Who, Who has more points in the first half? Michigan against UConn this year or Ohio State against Michigan State last year? (laughs) Uh, sorry i just had to oh
0: that's actually a good prop that we may have to put that on the season preview i was just literally trying to find our preview from last season with all of our picks because i think that'd be fun Like, you can find that before we uh get into this next week absolutely that's that's a good prop bet for us i think uh that's got to be on there i think yeah i think you gotta do it
1: For, for sure man but but let's talk about Michigan State. What does what does NF Talk have for us oh, this year? God damn. <laughs> uh, Listen, it's better than the abortion shit, dude.
0: I guess I mean it is. But <laughs> I'll just take full ownership over it. My Instagram was hacked a few weeks ago, as you know, and uh, it became a crypto bro account. And I'm assuming that's how Mel Tucker got roped into this because obviously he follows me on Instagram and was just so swayed by what my account was saying. Um, god damn that after yeah I'm not gonna shoot that's gonna ruin my vibe. That's cold water to start. Uh. <laughs> You're right. I'm
1: going with too much cold water. Oh uh, no We're staying hydrated.
0: It's it's an interesting one. I think for the the difference for MSU like I mean, on the field obviously have good results last year, but with a lot of like um the the hype or some of the like outside of maybe the quarterback and wide receiver position, right? Like, outside of those two positions, I think you're back to, like, hoping that you hit on the portal again. Because we're still in, like, cracking over the the, the mistakes made at the end of the Antonio era, right? So you're hoping that Jacoby Winman from UNLV comes in as a stud. Uh, you're hoping that, you know, a Lineman from University of Florida and Boulay works out and adding a mere speed in your backfield is gonna like shore up that defense. And then you hope that you hit on one of the two portal running backs you brought in because K9 is not back, right? And we saw in the Peach Bowl that the guys on the roster are a pretty steep drop off. So um the vibe is like, I mean, if you want to go safe with it, you just focus it on Jaden Reed and and Peyton Thorne, who I don't know if you know this, Brandon. They uh Played in high school together. Um, no, fucking Not many way. people. Not many people know that. No so way. They played in high school together. So I guess, like you know, they they've done this before. Um, but, but I think like you know that's like your safe pick with it as an MSU fan is you just going like, okay. So the passing attack. I think if even though obviously you you you're not going to replace Kenneth Walker. Like it's just not going to happen. Like that's a generational talent, especially for a program like Michigan State that on offense to have a talent like that is kind of unheard of. Um, so I think, you know, you, you kind of lean into, well, we can feel steady that maybe the passing attack can pick up some of uh, what you lose kind of Walker and defense is just in, in the, in the spirit of our segment, just good vibes, man, good vibes, because it was pretty, pretty bad last year. Uh, the last, five six weeks of the season um so you know i i like mel tucker's approach of not just throwing the secondary under the bus and saying it had to be all of them like they're pretty bad though they were but i mean as good as (laughs) as good as the defensive line played um and they did a good job of getting sacks and i think they were a pretty disruptive defensive line when they didn't get home it was brutal like and they just didn't get home enough on your money third down. Like, mm-hmm. the thing about a team converting a third and 22 on you, which, God, it seems like it happened all the time, is it's easy to say, like, how does the secondary get beat on a third and 22? But if you compare that, like, we're in third and 22 because you got home on sacks. Now they need to go 22 yards. And the quarterback shouldn't be sitting back there forever. And yeah. somehow now he's making a completion of 25 yards. Like it, I think it was just like the weirdest thing to, as a fan in the stands, like this is, everyone's like, well, this is all on the secondary. Um, You know, this is, they're, they're god awful. It's got to be them because we just got a sack. So clearly the defensive line is good. But then on money downs, why are they not getting home? So I appreciate the approach. I think uh, it's one that, I appreciate also because I think Mel has shown like he he doesn't go just on loyalty right like if you're not getting the job done you're gone so mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think like you know defense you have the only way MSU fans can get hype about the defense is to go on vibes because <laughs> these are some talented guys but they are you know Jacoby Woodman had a hundred something tackles at UNLV but like now it's the Big Ten can he can that translate to the Big Ten? Um, you know, the guys that come to us from the SEC, like, pretty good players, but they also weren't clearly winning their jobs in the SEC either. Like, they didn't leave starting positions to come here. So, um, you know, you kind of got to gotta just basically say that I'm going to be in a good vibe because it can't be worse than what that was at the end of the last season. Like, that was about as bad as it can be.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure they'll make corrections, and I'm sure it'll get better you know I really I want to go back to the offensive side of things because you do make some uh points in the cold water section um I'm just going to present the fact that there is no way you find another Heisman candidate in the transfer portal um yeah, there's no think... way you teams just don't do that and I feel yeah. like a lot of Mel Tucker's Oh, we got it. He did the transfer portal, blah, blah, blah. And it was a lot because he, he took a lot of people from the transfer portal. And then he had a face of the transfer portal in Kenneth right. Walker because yeah. because past Kenneth Walker, you didn't get a lot of reliant contributions from the transfer portal.
0: Yeah, you had you had plug guys that, that filled some holes. Um, you know, but but what first, happens if Kenneth Walker well, a plug guy? Might- like exactly. what's Nothing Michigan like State's record last year? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly.
1: And, and so that's, I guess, my my optimism for the year uh, from my Michigan fan perspective is yeah. I really feel like you guys have to come back to earth a little bit here. And I'm not talking six and six because I have seen some yeah. Michigan fans out here being like State's going six, like unironically. And I'm I'm not there, no. but like I would expect eight and four
0: if yeah, I were no, a Michigan think- State fan. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I think that's a good segue into like a little bit of a schedule look ahead, like mm-hmm. like you yeah, had with Michigan. I mean, you know, they do have a tough non-con, so that's one difference between the two. Well, one and when you say a tough game, non-con, yes, yeah, yeah, I was going to say one that. Game, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> a, a tough game on the non-con, and uh, I mean, granted, a Washington team with a brand new coach, so who knows but, what hey, Washington man, is when uh, but Big Ten teams. Team.
1: When Big Ten teams go out to the West Coast, nothing good ever happens. Go well. Yeah, so not usually go well. I so, don't blame you for being afraid of that.
0: Yeah, so at Washington, I mean, if you're, if you are you know, even if you lose that one, I think eight and four is still on the table. Because here's Why, the thing. Absolutely. From the West, you get, I mean, Minnesota's decent, but that just, that's not going to be You should beat me, Minnesota
1: right? in East Lansing. You and
0: should then beat them. The tough stretch is, you know, you go from Minnesota to Maryland, that's, <laughs> that should be manageable. The tough stretch is, you know, Ohio State to wisconsin both at home i mean the the good thing is you do get both at home and a bye week well bye week and then at michigan
1: that's but what i'm saying yeah, yeah the bye week before michigan yeah, to, finish, at least a nice to little... finish
0: my to finish my three there yeah and at michigan is the cap off there um who knows what wisconsin's gonna be they're pretty god-awful last year um but you know they're gonna be baseline decent i guess right so um yeah yeah you guys like, could lose but then you all... look at it yeah, All four of those could be losses, and then you can finish hot with Illinois, Rutgers, Indiana, and then you're at pet state. So, yeah, you guys worst case, them. you go seven and five. I, I think absolute worst case, you go seven and five. Um, I'm gonna say worst really case, say you go six and
1: six because like worst case scenario. Like
0: Indiana or Illinois
1: <laughs> Maryland, Maryland. Ah. um they have a really talented offense See, uh, with even with, with Talia Tagavoyola and then two yeah. wide receivers that are going to be picked in the first couple days of the draft next year and just because it's a road game right before that three game stretch and Maryland's strengths to me match your weakness that's the only thing i would say you could add in um but they but yeah do. i think your floor <laughs> is 6 and 6
0: until Leah did some things last year, but he also looked god awful. is was a game that I was at in person, um, but he did. I mean, he he got some things done for them, but also like at the time he started getting things done, it was a blowout. So it was kind of yeah. one where I I but, came out of it not thinking very highly of him. So, um, yeah, but I if you're I, past, will admit I am overlooking Maryland a little bit there.
1: So. Hey, it's fair. I mean, they're Maryland, so like I get it. <laughs> Um, oh man, we can't make fun of Mark Turgeon anymore. I mean, we can. We still will. Don't worry, guys. We're we still, still making fun, fun of Patino. Patino, so, come yeah, on, baby. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, we can still make fun stress. of Mark Turgeon. Um, but but either way, the fight, in uh, Just the only reason I I really do see that as a, a real bad timing for that game going into that Ohio That's State of Wisconsin Michigan stretch. But yeah, man, I I don't disagree with your vibes. I think you're probably again looking at that. Six and six floor, 10 and two ceiling. I I, like, I mean, if everything goes well, if you you're not beating Ohio State, but if you can pull that out against Wisconsin, Mel Tucker hasn't lost to Michigan yet. So I guess we can't, we can't, that, that could happen very easily. They could walk into Ann Arbor and do it again, although sidebar, I'm going to say that Ann Arbor crowd for the game last year was a different breed of Michigan crowd than I've ever seen. And with losing two straight to Mel Tucker, um, I have a feeling this Michigan crowd's gonna be out for blood in that game. So it could could potentially have a real home field advantage this year. We'll see. Um, but anyways, you you guys could go ten and two in a world where everything goes right like it did for you last year I, I like I can't see any reason that you guys couldn't replicate that result
0: it would yeah it would just be Jaden Reed's playing for the Heisman like week nine the way yeah. that K-9 was last yeah. year like that's that's the way that it happens and you, you know that you dude have was so like that come together
1: that dude was so
0: good last year
1: I'm not like saying that's impossible that's right. a real possibility but that's what I, you would need that's what yes, you would need to, I, I agree, with you. That I agree yeah. with you I agree with you but, yeah, I think I think both programs are sitting in a good spot. Real quick, before we go, do you want to just give a few shout-out to the, this basketball class, or do you want to cover it sometime else? Give it I the mean, due diligence it, it deserves.
0: So, no, yeah, so so what I'll say is I don't think it's fair. I won't cover the class in general, um, especially because Xavier Booker himself deserves more than me just kind of throwing something in at the end. Right, But That's uh, correct. But man, does it feel good for – just a few MSU accounts out there to see this run that Tom Izzo is on right now and you know me like we've had both conversations offline and on this show I am far from the Tom Izzo is a god defender um not even just in basketball I just think there are things that have come out that is just like I'm not going to give him idol status um because as we've seen with idols who you build sports statues for you really shouldn't yeah, we do should, that, right? we should just
1: quit doing that <laughs> so
0: so that aside like just the obnoxiousness of some msu accounts that have just because a man in his 60s isn't all of a sudden adjusting to the transfer portal at the rate of speed they would like or hiring an assistant who he doesn't know He's washed 100%. When the man has not missed the tournament in over 20, I, the fact that there's some MSU accounts that I just, I really have enjoyed these last two weeks for, Brendan.
1: I'm um, glad that you're doing it. I would also make fun of it. I mean, there's a ton of Michigan fans, myself included, doing the kind of Tom Izzo uh, finished huh? Huh? Oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, but you know, should. Which, you should. It, that's
0: true. In that's, the true. Rivalry, that's very different. You yeah. should do that. That is cool.
1: That's our job.
0: That's your job. The 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 inner Michigan State ones. Cause you also like, I just I don't know, man. It's just how many programs around the country do you have to watch do the thing where the legend is leaving and the fans start to be assholes to the legend on the way out? And then it just gets so much worse under a new regime. Like how many times do you have to see that happen to think Maybe I shouldn't just be tarnishing the end of this legends run and just let it
1: yeah, dude. I can't even, I can't but, even imagine what it would be like if Mel Tucker was sucking right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's that or there's like, I mean, like Steven, on like a national perspective, you know, like how many times like like we gotta get Mac Brown out of Texas? Like he's washed, he's washed. They would take Mac Brown and those years back in a second right now, right?
1: And it mm-hmm. just got so
0: much worse.
1: I mean, that's kind of how the Lloyd Carr conversation.
0: As you right. say, Lloyd Carr, right? Like the Lloyd Carr situation, like, and I know, I know Jimbo won at Florida State, but like when it went bad at Florida State, it went so much worse than Bobby Bowden ever took that thing into the ditch. Like, there's so many examples of these programs out there that that has happened at that I just don't understand. And it always struck me as lazy because I'm glad you brought it up with the end of D'Antonio. It was it just struck me as so lazy to be like, oh well, this happened with our other coach that we had, so they're the exact same. Like, no, right. they're it, not. Yes, <laughs> they are far from the same thing. Uh, Izzo never has looked as tired or as wore out by this job as D'Antonio. D'Antonio looks ten like,
1: years younger. Now, yeah. Now yes. than he did at the end of his tenure at MSU. He
0: does. He does. And, and yeah, Tom Izzo, like, the whole portal thing was always hilarious to me, too. Like, the same MSU fan account that will sit there and say Tom Izzo doesn't change with the times and doesn't use the portal could then, in the NBA playoffs, be retweeting a Bryn Forbes highlight. And be, right. What are we doing? <laughs> the man has yeah. taken transfers. He yeah. is very particular of the transfer he's going to be in. If you want to knock him on that, Feel free. Um, but it's also until this thing doesn't work. And I don't mean doesn't work as in you don't get to the second weekend of an NCAA tournament, but until you miss a tournament, right. Let's not completely say the man is washed and he doesn't know how to build a roster. Yeah. Um, and he also knows that you still need to build your basketball roster through the high school ranks. So he is now on a monumental heater of a class and he's I I don't it'll be interesting to see where this finishes out I know they're I think they're third in the country right now there's going to be rankings updates there's going to be a lot of things that change but I would assume it stays top five unless some of these kids completely fall out. Yeah,
1: somebody would have to Um, decommit Uh, you you wouldn't
0: that or slide way down the rankings right Right, yeah like just an awful scene from pretty much
1: everything I hear about these kids on an individual level I almost always hear like rising up you know as yeah. the term what i like, know that Xavier seem Booker like really, a really really good prospect
0: cuz yeah. Xavier Booker is on a heater and ESPN hasn't even ranked him yet
1: which is That's hilarious cuz
0: he yeah. he commits on ESPN who has to put on the bottom of their ticker like we will be updating his ranking please pay attention um yeah. but
1: yeah it's just a joke of a scouting site oh my god
0: they're so bad but yeah man it's it's a nice it's so i've enjoyed that more than anything especially cuz basketball is going to be the sport that It runs when hockey runs. I can't really Mm -hmm. follow it in the way of, I didn't play it. I'm not going to get into the level of like being able to like, be like, you know, like soldier who we've had on the show or DK, like those guys can break it down. So for me, basketball is all narrative and vibes anyways. So I have, I've really enjoyed this, Brendan. It's been fun. (laughs) Cause you know, my, my angle is that I'm usually trying to be a pretty positive guy, especially cause I work with these kids on campus. Like, yep personal attacks i just i'm not here for it i you know and and the basketball team has been the most personal of attacks i mean on joey hauser on max christie on on these kids so it's 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 oh fun, man. man yeah it's fun
1: yeah well i'm glad you got to experience that that joy and and you know sports are ramping back up all as well in the world um just to, if you're still listening uh thank you uh we appreciate you um warning about the future shows i'm gonna try and limit myself but working in a shop has really transformed my vocabulary uh, (laughs) on a regular basis not transformed it i've always you know swore but it's uh gotten worse so uh, i'm gonna try and limit it on the podcast but we'll see how that goes
0: i'm gonna tell you right now that i'm not gonna fucking let you limit it
1: oh there we Uh, go we are. We are going for
0: it. If you're listening to this podcast and you get past our quasi communist socialist comments that we make, (laughs) I don't think you're gonna be like grabbing your fainting couch over uh
1: Yeah, that's true. We
0: a couple of mommy daddy words. We do
1: make we do make cum jokes a lot. So I guess that maybe i don't need to be just yeah if you're listening to this show in the car with your kids uh you need to reevaluate your own decision making skills
0: just remember that i am a father though so like it's good father to father you're doing a good job but i hate